Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. What's shaking, Red Nation? This is Jeremy Brenner here with another episode of The Dream Take, presented by The Dream Shake, home of all things Houston Rockets at SKNation.com. And we're switching things up this week. We've had to move things around a little bit. I am about to head on vacation for the weekend. So instead of us having a double show or a show where both of us are on at the end of the week, I'm going to do my part because I'm the one going on vacation. So I'm taking to my own hands. We're putting this episode out on Friday. And then hopefully Mike and I can get back together sometime either for Monday's episode or for next Wednesday's episode, we can talk more together. But, um, you know, we've had a great shows this week so far. Mike talked about um, some of the Baylor prospects on our last episode. So go ahead and check that out. Special shout out to our guest Drake for coming on the show. Super, super exciting insight um, with him and talking uh, Jeremy Sohan and Kendall Brown. That was uh, go check that out if you haven't done so already. Earlier in the week, I talked about some other prospects. Really really, really have uh, an affinity for one of those prospects we talked about. It was more G League topics, so uh, go check that out. Uh, G League was Monday's episode. Wednesday's episode was Baylor Prospects. Today, it's a bit of a mix. We've got a couple... We've got two players who are better defined as uh, guys that could have done better last year but failed to live up to expectations, while the other two guys are international prospects that uh, could be intriguing to the Rockets once again. So let's start stateside. Let's start with our American prospects here. Uh, the first player I'll talk about is Notre Dame's Blake Wesley, 6'5 guard, uh, hometown kid uh, from South Bend, Indiana, and he played one year at, at Notre Dame, went... Uh, played in 35 games, averaged about 14 points per game. I really like Blake Wesley as a prospect, um, and I really like what he could do. He's he's kind of shifty. He's kind of a guy that he'll go drive in the lane, get you a bucket. Uh, not as much of a volume shooter. Um, he's more of the guy that would rather put the ball on the put the ball on the ground, go and get you a bucket in the paint versus a guy that's gonna you know, shoot from beyond. He only shot 30% from the three-point line this season. And that's probably the the biggest red flag for me and why I wouldn't like Wesley for the Rockets. Uh, I just, when I look at the Rockets guard rotation, I've mentioned it in a couple of episodes prior to this, um, where I just feel like the Rockets guard rotation right now is pretty set. I think whoever comes in to this, if there's anyone that comes into the backcourt, it's going to be really hard to get minutes, uh, especially with, you know, basically you've got 
um, Kevin Porter, Jalen Green starting, and then you have Josh Christopher and Dacian Nix coming off the bench. That doesn't even include uh, Eric Gordon. That doesn't even include the idea of like Gary Bird or anybody like that. And, you know, a guy like Blake Wesley, if he were to come to the Rockets, would be more important than those two guys, yes. But at the same time, I don't know if he's more important than the likes of Josh Christopher and Dacian Nix, which has me struggling as to why he would work in Houston. I think he could work in a different scenario. I like Denver as a possible uh, place for him as a as another like kind of be like a, a Bones Highland Blake Wesley backcourt to come off the bench kind of thing. I, I really like that idea. Um, I just don't see him in Houston working out. I just don't think that his three-point volume is where it needs to be. He only shot uh, 65% from the free throw line as well. That's going to be uh, a red flag for him. But like he was a pretty highly touted recruit in the class of 2021. And he kind of, in, in some regards, he underperformed in his freshman season at Notre Dame. So that's why I'm hesitant to go out and get a guy like Blake Wesley to come to the Rockets. But he should bring a lot of promise to whichever team takes him. Uh, he's probably a late first-round pick, uh, maybe early second. I'd be shocked if he went past 35 or 40. He's extremely talented, don't get me wrong. I feel like I've been kind of dogging on him a little a little bit, but he is just extremely raw. There's a lot to work with there, but you've got to put the right coaches next to him. You got to get in the right situation to succeed. Houston, not sure if that's the place. Moving along now to our second prospect of this episode um, is Patrick Baldwin Jr., who was once regarded as possibly a top five pick in this class. But after his freshman season, he went to the University of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, in the Horizon League. And this was seen as kind of a surprise um, when he committed. He committed, though, because his dad, Patrick Baldwin, was the coach there. And they're like, okay, let's bring in a top 10 recruit, top five recruit. We have a coach. Uh, let's let's go out and let's do this. Unfortunately, there were other plans. <laughs> Patrick Baldwin only played 11 games for Milwaukee. They underperformed in the Horizon League. Dad got fired, and son went to the draft. That's kind of how it worked. But, I mean, in some of those games for Milwaukee, you know, Patrick Baldwin showed some promise. Um, he had two games where he scored 20 or more including 26 against Robert Morris earlier in the season. And look, yes, that's obviously, you know, very, it, it's not even like the top of D1, you know, so you're like, how could that, you know, translate per se? Uh, so it, it's a little bit up in the air, but I do think that Patrick Baldwin just needs to be in the right position, but he's proven that there is like scenarios where he's not. Um, but what I will say about Patrick Baldwin is if you, if you take all of that and you toss it to the side and you just look at him as a prospect, he is one intriguing prospect and he might be one of the most intriguing in this whole, in this whole class, six foot nine, 
220 pounds. That's going to need to spike up a little bit if he wants to stick around in the league. But six foot nine in a like a forward in a guard's body or a guard in a forward's body is what I should really say. Um, great size for the position can can defend multiple positions. Um, and I would say that defense is probably where he's a little bit better, uh, which is a good thing, I would say. Um, offense game, offensive game did not really prove to be his strength at Milwaukee. Shot just 34% from the field. He's going to need to become a much more efficient shooter. And 26% from the three-point line. Not ideal. Worse numbers than Blake Wesley. But like what those two have in common is the two of them could have played for bigger schools and or could have like gone to the G League and gone through that route or something like that. But they chose to stay home. And I think both of those guys, it backfired on them. So their placement in this draft class might not necessarily reflect the kind of players that they are, which makes both of these guys incredibly appealing as prospects because they're coming in from an angle that, you know, hey, maybe they're a little bit better than what they're being ranked as. But that being said, you can't just flat out ignore the seasons that they just had. Um, and, and look, I'm not saying that their seasons were bad, but there was improvement that could be made. Now, as a prospect, neither of these guys, I really don't think are going to become superstars in the NBA. And when you're drafting with the 17th pick, both these guys will definitely be there. That's not the question about that either. But at this point, I don't think either guy should be considered for anything in the top 20. If you're going to get Patrick Baldwin, he's going to be a guy that you take in either the late first or early second round. But both of these guys, the reason why they will not slide too far is because they do have enough promise to where a team should take a flyer on them because the value at the end of the late first, honestly, for a guy like Patrick Baldwin, who was a top five recruit in the class of 21, it's a really good value. Um, I just don't know if the Rockets are going to bite. Now they could. I, I think there's more. There's there's more of a chance for Patrick Baldwin to be that guy um, instead of um, in, instead of Blake Wesley. But what I will say is, I feel like Paolo Banquero mirrors a lot of what Patrick Baldwin is and. I think that they would have a hard time coexisting on the same team. So if, for whatever reason, like Paolo is not the pick for the Rockets, I think the chances of the Rockets going out and getting Patrick Baldwin Jr. increase. But I really think at this point, based on what I've seen and what I've heard, it's very unlikely for that third pick to not be Boncaro. And Patrick Baldwin at that point would be eliminated from contention from that pick. I mean, we've talked about it before, but in terms of drafting for need versus position uh, or, or need versus just the best player available, when you're the Rockets, you definitely want to be just getting as much talent as humanly possible. That being said, we saw how that kind of worked this year. And 
while the roster had talent on it, it, it seemed like there wasn't a lot of cohesion amongst that. So the Rockets are going to need to find that cohesion this season. And I feel like drafting two players who are just way too similar to each other is just counterproductive towards that cohesion. So Patrick Baldwin, a maybe, but for now, um, likely not, likely not. But let's move uh, outside of America. Let's let's go ahead and look at some international prospects. Both of these guys are incredibly exciting to me. Um, we'll start with Usman Dieng. Um, Usman Dieng, who played this last season in New Zealand for the New Zealand Breakers, so he's in he's in Australia. Um, he's an MBL guy. He stands six ten, but can play honestly three, four, or five. So he has a lot of those same attributes that you want um, that you want to see. Um, he shot let about 40% from the field, not too bad there. But again, three-point percentage, 27% is a bit alarming. Uh, but what I will say about Usman Jiang, surprisingly enough, the guy that he reminds me a lot of from last year's class is Usman Garuba. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a good defender right now. Like he won't really have a problem with, with playing defense on the NBA level, but his offense is questionable at this point. That's what's going to need to get to an NBA level. If he's given the right opportunity, the right coaches, the right opportunities, maybe he finds that in the NBA this season. I think it's more likely though for him to find that in the G League this season. And the only reason why I would be against drafting Usman Jiang is because there is Usman Garuba. And that would either mean you're either wasting last year's pick on Garuba or this year's pick on Jiang. I really just don't see a scenario where both of those guys could succeed in Houston. So I think when you look at Usman Jiang, what is more exciting about him, I guess, is that he's more of a wing, whereas Garuba is more of kind of like a big, um, even though Jiang is technically taller at 6'10", and I think Garuba is like 6'8", or something like that. But, you know, he's he's a kind of guy that I, if we didn't have Garuba, I would be much more excited to take. But I feel like Garuba has just as much potential as, as Jiang. And honestly, if I had to put both of them in this draft, I'd probably take Garuba over Jiang um, just because he fits more of a need for what the Rockets have. Uh, he, he has more of what the Rockets need currently at this time. And Garuba is the better prospect right now, considering the fact that he was in the Rockets G League system last year, played, in the, played for the team for a few games last year. So that's another thing too is if the Rock assuming the Rockets keep both first round picks, they'll have six first round picks within the last two drafts. That does also does not include uh KJ Martin and Jay Shante and uh Christian Wood, who uh, may or may not be back, and of course, you know, Kevin Porter. So though that's a lot, that's not a lot of guys you can give playing time to, but still guys that you feel super struggling at. And if you are at a point where you're feeling like two of them 
are kind of just overlapping, then you're really not getting enough value out of it, out of all of what you can get from every guy that you just drafted in the first round. So for me, Jang is probably a no for me. I know a lot of people really like him, and I don't necessarily be disappointed if they were to get him. I'd be more disappointed for Garuba, honestly, if the Rockets were to get him. He's incredibly talented. Um, but I also feel the same way about Garuba. And we already have Garuba. So it's like, what's the need to, you know, rain on Garuba's parade a little bit? That That's all. But the last guy we're going to talk about, um, again, very eerie in terms of how he mirrors what the Rockets have at this point. Um, and considering like the, the Jang and uh, Garuba, you know, mixture, I think this guy feels very similar to Alper and Shangun. And that's Nikola Jovic. Um, not to be confused with the two-time NBA MVP, Nikola Jokic, but rather Nikola Jovic, uh, also from Serbia, just like the MVP. Now, Jovic is definitely, a lot of people see Nikola Jokic in his game. That's, I think, just kind of a natural, um, like a natural idea. He's 6'11", whereas I think Jokic is around that as well, maybe seven foot. Um, But anyway, they're both like big men that can, Jokic is also 6'11", excuse me. But they're both guys that can kind of do it all on offense. Uh, which is incredibly exciting, like can handle the ball, can pass pretty well, um, you know, and can also really just kind of, if you need him to shoot, he can shoot. If you need him to, uh, you know, play the pick and roll game, he can do that as well. If you need him to facilitate pass, he can do that as well. Um, But because of his high usage rate, his potential high usage rate, he is uh, prone to turnovers. And that could be the biggest devastation for the Rockets this season if they're not careful. Because that's kind of what it was last season, where the Rockets just kept turning the ball over, turning the ball over, turning the ball over. And hopefully the Rockets can limit those this season. But when you add in a top three pick, potentially another first-round pick, you add in some inexperience and some working kinks, and you need to figure it out but that's not necessarily something that would deter me from not picking Jovic um but what I will say is he is very similar to Alperen Sengun we talked a lot about how Alperen Sengun has a lot of Nikola Jokic tendencies and I feel as if they're just like how there isn't a world where both Usman Jiang and Usman Garuba can coexist on the same team in the same playing rotation I think the same thing about Operan Shengun and um, and Nikola Jovic. I think Jovic could be really exciting, and I think a lot of teams that wish they had Alperon Shengun will be interested in Nikola Jovic. I'm curious to see who that team is because I think people are seeing Alperon Shengun and they they thought that he just wasn't um, like. I guess they just assume that, you know, maybe he's a little too raw of a prospect. But I feel like Jovic is the same thing. I think we're going to be talking about Nikola Jovic 
in kind of the same light that we talk about opera on Shangun in terms of um, like just kind of style and in terms of just surprising people. I think being able to, you know, play multiple positions and be this just, and playing European ball. I think that's something that we talked about last year when the Rockets drafted two European players. Um, European players are kind of ahead of the curve when it comes to the NBA only because the NBA is gearing more towards the style of play that is seen in Europe, which is more of this kind of fluid, um, everyone can play anyone, you know, you can switch a lot on defense because every, every, ideally every player can guard every player on the court. That's kind of where the game is heading right now. And those European guys come in with that advantage, um, which is why I think Shangun was able to play at a high level so early. Um, Garuba, not so much, only because he was injured, but I do feel like in another version of the metaverse that Garuba does have a successful first season with the Rockets. Um, But, you know, another thing too is like Garuba, if you want to look at last year as a redshirt year for Garuba, I really don't see a reason why that is, why that can't, be a thing you know it'd be like okay your first three picks last year you know Shangun, christopher green all did very well this year you got your top your third pick your 17th pick and garuba and now you've got you know two two tiers of three guys that you're all trying to develop and bring into this core that you are building and i think if you work it that way things are going to be very exciting for the Rockets. I don't feel that any of the prospects that I've talked about are players that I would draft for the Rockets, but I think what we've seen is if the Rockets are picking at a point where they just feel like they're looking for the best player available, someone that can give them really high value for the pick, Blake Wesley and Patrick Baldwin could be in that in that mindset, if the Rockets end up trading back, I think that chance increases. Um, and then if the Rockets are simply looking to add players that we've seen from the past and kind of elevate them, get it, get competition going amongst the team, then it wouldn't surprise me to see Jovic or Usman Jiang called up for the Rockets. That being said, I don't think that it's going to happen, but I do think that there is a world where each one of these four end up coming to the Rockets. I don't think that this world is the one that they come to, but that's why we're talking about these guys is we really don't know exactly what the Rockets are thinking. Um, we've seen in the past kind of what they've been thinking. We can offer our opinions based on what we've seen, what we want to see. However, that really doesn't mean shit. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's be real. It really doesn't mean a whole lot um, because we're not Rafael Stone. Rafael Stone's the one, along with his front office, making those picks. And if they're listening right now, I hope you're taking this analysis into consideration. But the analysis that I'm doing for this is surface level compared to what they've been doing. Um, and in just a little less than two weeks' time, we'll know who those uh, Rockets picks are, which is super, super exciting. Um, and throughout the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about even more prospects. Uh, Mike 
myself, a combination of us uh, throughout these next two weeks talking about these guys, um, all in preparation for June 23rd, where we will be finding out who the newest Rockets are. You're not going to want to miss a single Dream Take episode until then. So make sure you are subscribed to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter at the Dream Take and at Dreamshake SBN. Head over to our Facebook page, give us a like over there, and head to our website, thedreamshake.com, home of all things Houston Rockets at SBNation.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Brenner. That's J E R E M Y B R E N E R. This rocket ship is pulling into the station. So thank you guys so much for tuning in this episode of the Dream Take. And until next time, go Rockets. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.